As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrow and Lisa Abramowitz. Join us each day for insight from the best in economics, geopolitics, finance, and investment. Subscribe to Bloomberg Surveillance On Demand on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And always on Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Terminal, and the Bloomberg Business App. That wraps up the news conference with Chairman Powell, a balanced Fed chair, Jay Powell. I can tell you, the market screaming one thing, and that's we've got our own view on this. Equities look like this on the S&P 500. Good afternoon to you. This is the Fed decides. Equities off to the races at 1% on the S&P, on the Nasdaq up another 2%. Year to date, the Nasdaq 100 is up almost 13 percentage points. In the bond market, big moves, yields lower on a two-year by eight basis points, 4.12% on a two-year, on a 10-year, down 10 basis points to 3.40. TK, the Fed chair says we need to stay restrictive for some time. The job is not fully done. There's a lot of work to do. It's premature to think we've got this. He said if the economy evolves in the way they anticipate, they don't see a 23 rate cut. And yet this market is leaning hard the other way. You know, we sort of guessed this. It was a snooze statement. Up we go. No big deal. And we said maybe the presser will be there. And the presser for a number of minutes was as expected. And then maybe like I've never seen, it's not that we're up, John, it's the way we're up. Out there right now is a massive short cover into some form of dovish outlook. I just got a message on the Bloomberg. I won't reveal who it is until they give me permission to do so, but I can share the words with you. This is what happens when you don't validate the December dots. That's the view out there on Wall Street at the moment. Yeah. I would go one step further. In a sense, Lisa, he was recognising that the market was appropriately <clears throat> adjusting to incoming information. And then at times, in fact, I would say repeatedly, unconvincingly and unsuccessfully, trying to lean against easy financial conditions simultaneously. Then at the end there, and we talked about this before the decision, he basically said financial conditions hadn't eased too much compared to where they were at the last meeting. Which is a shocking statement. And I want to just point that out. Mohamed Alarian putting out and saying, not sure which index he is using. The most widely cited ones show overall financial conditions as loose as they were a year ago. Indeed, the Bloomberg Financial uh, Conditions Index shows the loosest financial conditions going back to February of 2022. So, okay, that's number one. But number two, I would say right out of the gate, the market's got the memo. The first question, just as we said, Jay Powell, are you concerned about how the market has rallied, about how loose financial conditions have become? Immediately, he could have said, yes, this is a huge concern. and said it was, eh, I'm not sure. There's well, a lot yeah. of that, wasn't there? And then all of a sudden, market She drift. did that nicely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was basically, that's the short version of the, of the news conference. He was asked about whether they discussed the pause. Now, if you want, can you do that sound effect again? Because that would be appropriate. It was kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the minutes. Wait for the minutes. <laughs> Wait for the minutes, TK. TK, what did you make of that? He's asked directly about whether they discussed the pause 
at this meeting in the last couple of days and you got nothing back. You got nothing back. And the whole tenor of it was one of disinflation. I'll let somebody count how many times he said uh, disinflation. John, I actually was thinking, and folks, I can't convey enough the velocities of the market here speaking. Price up, yield down. John, the two-year yield to four digits at one brief second. 4.0981. I was thinking to myself, is this guy going to drive the two-year under 4% by the end of the conference? If McKeon has three follow-ups, we may have gotten there. Hey, earlier on this week, we asked, what are you more interested in, the words of Chairman Powell or the economic data? Based on that performance, I'd rather hear from the economic data. Wouldn't you, Lisa? I mean, basically, what it screams is that he is looking at the disinflation and cautiously optimistic. The idea that he's still talking about a, a, a soft landing really highlights just this, saying that, yeah, maybe the balance of risks, eh, hem-haw, hem-haw. You've got concerns about perhaps not going far enough, but things look pretty good. Again, this isn't the pushback that people are going to look for in the market. I like that question on the balance of risk. It came from Colby over at the Financial Times, I Colby? think. Yeah. Colby Smith. Do you remember <laughs> oh, Colby? You. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Used to be the class of surveillance for many years ago. Really? She asked about the balance of risk, and he kind of danced around it. Maybe four months ago, he would have said the risk of doing too little outweighs the risk of doing too much. And then he sort of undenarved, very difficult to manage the risk of doing too little. And obviously, if we do too much, we can do something. But it lacked any real conviction, didn't it? OK, so here's the real question. Does he mean what he says? Because if he does mean what he says, why didn't he go 50 and then just pause? Right. I mean, in other words, if he really is concerned about financial conditions in any level, then why didn't he do that? And really, that is the screaming conclusion I, after this press conference. I'm looking at 2.05 percent NASDAQ lift. You know, the Dow not playing. SPX, I think, is playing out the new highs, 41.18. And I'm thinking of corporations going, OK, we need to buy back shares. And the CEO's on the phone right now screaming, why didn't we do this last Wednesday? Again, it's it's the it, folks, you don't see this. It's the red and green of the Bloomberg screen. And John's is different than mine. Lisa's is different than John's, etc. The pulsing here of the bet, John, is yeah. tangible. There is clearly still a massive spread between the projections and the dot plot from the last summary of economic projections of what this market is priced for. And that's going to be resolved in the next couple of months, potentially to some extent, by the incoming information and the data, not by the Fed speak. Let's wait for the data, the CPI prints and the labor market data, and it starts with payrolls tomorrow. So here's my question. If you get an easing in financial conditions, does that matter in terms of pushing the economy further away from the goal, right? I mean, does it actually matter in a tangible way? Do you see animal spirits or is this appropriate? It's a really important theoretical question. You know, it's a complex question with a complex answer. But the answer, and he alluded to this, we're in new territories as we don't know. Well, and I will say Subhadra Ajapa of Societe General writing in saying that he did not emphatically push back on financial conditions or market pricing of cuts. And that is the big takeaway from this particular Without a doubt, event. I didn't get the sense he cared about that spread at all. He didn't. Uh, and maybe it doesn't matter to them in the way that people think it does. The chairman of the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates 25 basis points. This is what Chair Powell had to say. We think we've covered a lot of ground and financial conditions have certainly tightened. Uh, and I would say uh, we still think there's work to do there. We haven't made a decision on, on exactly where that will be. I think, you know, we're going to be looking carefully at the incoming data between now and the March meeting. The job is not fully done. 
Except some people think it is. Equities up by 1%, Tom, on the S&P and the NASDAQ. We're up by two percentage points. We are. We have to see how it goes. And the market's still moving, still digesting this press conference. Again, the NASDAQ went under 2.2%. We need wisdom, and we get it from someone who's helped us so much over uh, this pandemic. Jeffrey Rosenberg joins us. He's senior portfolio manager at BlackRock. Jeff, I got eight ways to go here. But the bet that we saw just played by the markets in the press conference and, frankly, after the press conference is enormous. Is it a reset by the markets? Well, I, you know, I'm listening to the discussion, and I think you're spot on here. Lisa, I think you're, 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 you're spot on in the comments that you highlighted. I think everybody's picked up on it. It is the reflection. It's the answer to the question around financial conditions that the market's really seized on. So there's a real disconnect between you know, what he said, what the statement said, uh, maybe what he wanted to say and what the markets heard. But what the markets heard was this issue of the, the conflict between financial conditions easing and whether or not that would impact the Fed's policymaking. He dismissed it. Lisa, your second question, answer, it absolutely matters. It matters because it was the second thing that he said was it's important that financial conditions reflect the tightening. And so if they don't and it goes too far, it absolutely feeds back into this is how modern monetary policy transmits into the real economy. And so it will push against the attainment of their goals and that will eventually show up. But for today, the market right. reaction is really off of that that statement. And Lisa, the Bloomberg television banner, I didn't write this one. This is a brilliant banner, and it really says all here. Powell acknowledges disinflation. That's a terrific summary for non-sophisticates about what they're watching here with titanic market moves. Which is just a factual statement, right? Because we are seeing disinflation in the data, and yet the way that it was emphasized, the lack of emphasis on the balance of risks of not going far enough is what has the markets going. Jeff, to your point, if markets markets aren't listening to what Jay Powell wants, which is tighter financial conditions in order to get down to that 2% goal sooner. Does this basically force the Fed's hand to go further than might be feasible for this economy? Well, you know, it goes back to that very difficult concept of long and variable lags that right now they don't necessarily need to do that because right now the disinflation commentary, the the trajectory on inflation, the good news that he highlighted from the ECI and the wage picture all makes it look like, hey, everything's going according to plan here. But if Along the way, that easing in financial conditions undermines that, that when you settle back down in terms of take out the disinflationary goods piece, I thought he did a nice job kind of, uh, you know, answering the question of uh, I think it was it was. Um, uh, the question on, you know, why isn't you why haven't you already gotten success on inflation? It's because you can't annualize the disinflation of, of of the goods portion of the economy. When all of that washes out, we may end up at a higher level. And if that's the case, it's because the wage picture, which he cautioned many times, we haven't seen success on that, but mostly the market is, is, is ignoring that. If that comes back to, to root at the same time as the easing in financial conditions, it's going to make the job harder. And Jonathan, what you said earlier about the disconnect between the Fed 
statement of staying high at the terminal rate, wherever that terminal rate sets up, is it 25 more? Is it 50 more? It's really about the markets are pricing not only that, but a full pivot. And the easing in financial conditions may make that very hard to reconcile. But that may be a number of months and quarters away before we get to figuring that out. Jeff, if I'm a market participant, though, I'm listening to what he said about financial conditions. And I'm just thinking, that was bizarre. Neil Dutter of Renmag just published, yeah. and Neil said this. Powell has said that financial conditions have tightened considerably despite the fact that they have eased considerably. The fact that he has said that is dovish in its own right. The odds are increasing that the Fed is declaring victory too soon. Jeff, what would you say back to that? Yeah, I, you know, that's, I think that's exactly the interpretation there, that if he's saying – we're concerned, what he said was, we're concerned about the longer run financial conditions. We're not going to look at these short term measures. What he was doing is he was dismissing the thing that the market was most concerned about, that they would react to easing of financial conditions. And Neil's exactly right. It, it, it gave a, a green light for yeah. financial conditions in the near term to continue to ease, go ahead and, and rally uh, interest rates and, and, and risky assets. And, and so that was an opening. You know, they may look back on that and, and, and need to walk that back. Well, that's right where I was you know, going. Two months. Jeff, you're, yeah, re you're reading the script. Come on, John Farrell, get out the calendar. Bramo's better at this than both of us. Exactly when do they start walking back this press conference? In the next couple of days, we'll see. We'll see. We've got payrolls coming up on Friday. I thought it was just really, really strange, Tom. Really strange. And I guess the simple strange question now, right Jeff. Word. Yes. Is this bullish for risk assets? <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, in the in the short run, that's the market interpretation, again, because it says, hey, risky assets, financial condition easing, Fed's not going to react to that. So it, 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 it relieves some of that concern that if you go too far, then the Fed's got to do more. Powell just said, not so worried about that. So in the near term, yes, right. but, but, you know, you got to take the longer term. Uh, view here that this is going to make the attainment of the inflation objective that much harder. And so the uncertainty is there. He had one great line, which I think is great, great to remember here. Certainty is not appropriate. And, and, and I think that's yeah. the other takeaway as we as we work through this inflation. Truly original. And as Mr. Farrow said, as a philosopher, strange, the two year yield <laughs> just breaks down to new lows, 4.096. With immense respect, Jeff, how do you manage multi-strategy in this milieu? How do you, as a pro, react to what we're witnessing this afternoon? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really good key word that you said, which is react, which is back to my comment a second ago. Certainty is not appropriate. Forecasting here is very tough. It's very tough. As Powell laid out, we haven't been through five episodes of global pandemics and know exactly how the story is going to play out. So it is really about reacting, not overreacting to this day's financial conditions easing. Um, but it's also taking what the market is going to give you. And, and right now, with the curve inversion and the opportunity of the highest yields being in the lowest risk areas of the fixed income market, sometimes that's what you've got to take. And some of the other more uncertain parts, you just have to wait until some of that certainty and some of that uncertainty uh, re re reveals itself. And that's critically this path that he talked about in terms of the labor markets and the, and the wage picture.
you know, Tom joked that we get the two-year yield below 4% uh, after Jay Powell spoke. We're getting closer to that 4.09%. I am wondering, Jeff, whether you'd lean against this, right? At what point would you lean against this pretty significant move that we're seeing across the yield curve if you do think this Fed has to walk this back? Well, I think the, the the broader issue in terms of leaning against is is really not so much the short term, but what is the market narrative and what is the market pricing in? It's pricing in a a very rapid return to two percent inflation with with a lot of certainty, and and I think that's the part that you can push back against in terms of if that inflationary trajectory turns out to be correct, that's already in the price, and. If it's not, the surprise is, is, is to the upside and the vulnerability, uh, I think, is, is particularly to those longer maturity yields where they're reflecting not only the attainment of that 2% inflation in the lack of any kind of inflation term premium, but as well the, the pivot and the cut in interest rates, which would be you know, exceptionally difficult uh, to realize. Uh, if that inflation trajectory doesn't doesn't show up the way the consensus forecast has it. I'm sitting here and I'm about to do an impression, my best impression of trying to be diplomatic. <clears throat> but are we all saying he's that bad at his job, Jeff, that he's got to walk this back <laughs> That's in the next couple of weeks? I mean... Oh, you're cruel. I really don't understand it, <laughs> Jeff. He would have had time to practice this last night and this morning. We all knew what questions would be asked. Are we seriously sitting here and saying he didn't mean what he said about financial conditions? Well, I think that was it was one question. It was in the beginning. Everything else went to script, right? Everything else was cautionary, explaining the different components in terms of inflation, the lack of certainty around the wage piece, the importance of why we need to keep the pace going, slowing but going because of their perception of what is the appropriate stance. So all of that was there. It was this one piece on financial conditions. Perhaps there's going to be a clarification. We've seen this before in other meetings where there were statements made where it wasn't clear where he was talking about short-term uh, inflation when talking about real rates or long-term. They came back out to clarify that. So, you know, perhaps they, they, they do. But most of what was here, and that was the market reaction at the beginning. This was sort of rel relatively hawkish, kind of delivered on, on expectations. Rates were a little bit higher. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the question on financial conditions certainly has uh, triggered this round. It's a long way of not answering it, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> Jeff yeah, sorry. Well, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Your equity market then at 1.2% on the NASDAQ. We're up by more than 2%. The rally in the bond market. Let's look at a move. Yield to lower at the front end by 11 basis points on a two-year term. 4.088% yeah. on a two-year yield. I don't want to talk much here because we've got two great guests coming up. But John, top to bottom, the two-year yield from above a four. 25 has moved 17 basis points. Uh, I can honestly <laughs> say I've never observed that. And Mike McKee, running out of that news conference, joins us right now. Mike, good afternoon. Your thoughts on that one? Well, you know, I called up a graph of the Financial Conditions Index, and if you look at it six months, three months back, uh, yes, they've eased. But go back a year, and Jay Powell's right. They are significantly tighter. And so the Fed seems to be saying uh, we are seeing the impact of our cumulative effort of raising <coughs> interest rates. We're not sure how much more we have to do. We're leaving the door open to do it if necessary. But for the first time, we're starting to acknowledge that maybe we don't have to go as high as we said at the, the last uh, meeting in December. And so 
So it's kind of uh, the Fed trying to have more optionality, I think, because they aren't sure of where they are. This uh, uh, the economy is sort of like Schrodinger's cat at this point, and uh, they're trying to direct it. So uh, where do they go from here? They uh, they keep an eye on uh, all of these indicators, and as Paul said, we, we've got all these uh, inflation, jobs, and growth indicators coming up before our next meeting that we can take a look at. Uh, the markets, however, want to trade today, and as Paul said, they have a different job than we do. Mike, do you think that the Fed underestimates uh, where financial markets are, that they're looking at something else when he talks about a tightening in financial conditions amid some of the loosest financial conditions, according to at least the Bloomberg Financial Index condition, uh, conditions index, going back to February of 2022? Uh you know, I, I, you can look at a lot of different uh, indexes for financial conditions. They're looking at uh, the overall tightening, I think, in the bond markets is what really matters to them. Uh, there's certainly liquidity and equity markets. But what that does is uh, simply makes it easier for companies to spend and for people who have a lot of money to have more money. Uh, but the spending decisions are going to be based much more on the cost of borrowing money. And they have had some success there. They're coming down today. But what would happen if we got a 3.5% unemployment rate on Friday? Bond market might completely reverse itself. So the Fed can't be as reactive to every change in uh, the way the markets go as the markets can be. And I think Powell wanted to make that point today. Jim Michael McKee, thank you so much. And we'll uh, Thanks, get Mike. further wisdom, I think, John, here in the coming days. We need to frame, John, who this guest is. This guy was way out front on a crucial distinction yeah, gloom, recession, but out there. Everyone else was in short. And Deutsche Bank said, no, we're out there. I made the call in 23 for a recession, Tom, back early in 2022. It's as big a call for I remember the conversation, yeah, yeah, when it happened. Israel. Let's go to Matthew Lozetti uh, right now with Deutsche Bank. Matthew, do you reaffirm a recession call after the bizarreness we're, we're seeing today? I need, a, I need a NASDAQ up 300 points to confirm the bizarreness. But do you reaffirm an NBER recession call out there? Yeah, you know, that is still our base case. Uh, we still have expectations that it begins around the middle of the year. Uh, but you are seeing some uh, changes in risks around that, I think. We've seen some slowing in the data that's more material in the recent data points than we were anticipating in consumer spending, capex. Certainly the housing market has kind of been in dire straits. We got an ISM report this morning that shows very clear weakness. And so I do think that there's, you know, conditional on a recession happening. There is some risk that it happens a little bit earlier than what we have built into the forecast. At the same time, you know, I do agree with Chair Powell a bit that the price inf disinflation that we're seeing, wages coming down at the same time with financial conditions easing, if price inflation continues to come down as it has, it does open up a, a greater path to a soft landing. So still have a base case for a recession. Timing is unchanged, but there has been a shifting in risks around that. You know, the advantages of Peter Hooper and others where we've been talking here in the last 20 minutes about the assumption they will adjust to this Fed press conference, which is massively market moving. I'll let John do the data check. I can't look at those big numbers uh, like he can look at them. But the bottom line here, Matt Lizetti, is <laughs> I don't know what that means. No, no. Come on. Look, NASDAQ out 2.7 percent, up 320 points on the NASDAQ. This is a massive market big, move. Do you expect them to walk back this press conference, Matt? Look, you know, I think that there were three dovish things that the market was latching onto. You guys have certainly been talking about the FCI uh, point. I think the other two points would be he did not reaffirm the December SCP, although he did indicate a couple more rate hikes as an expectation. 
And he also hinted at that there were clearly discussions about pausing. The way that I would read the Fed from now, now on is, you know, they are clearly guiding towards another hike in, in March of 25 basis points, but they are highly data dependent at this point. Uh, if we get inflation accelerating a bit in the near term, which is our base case, and it sounds like it's the Fed's base case as well, I think they likely do deliver on that, that May rate hike as well, but it'll be highly dependent on what happens with the inflation data. In terms of whether they should push back on this or not, I do think they downweight equities in terms of thinking about financial conditions. When you look at broader based measures of financial conditions, what's happening with bank lending channels, what's happening with CNI lending conditions, there's been a much more substantial tightening there. So I do think you have had a, a, a broader tightening of financial conditions. You know, all that said, uh, do they want equities to be ripping right now uh, and easing financial conditions <laughs> substantially more than where they were? I would say, you know, all else equal, that was probably not the, the expectation from, from the press conference. Did he get that from Biggie Charles? That's a technical I think phrase. he did. That was like Ripping. Biggie. I actually wish someone in the news conference had said the Nasdaq is up 2.6%. What do you think? <laughs> Matt, I think for a lot of people in this market, they're done with the inflation story. We've seen the peak of that. They're done with the Fed hiking cycle. They believe the terminal rate is just around a corner. The big debate now is what do we come down to? Where do we settle down on CPI? Is it 4%? Can we get that nice, clean trajectory back to two without doing too much damage? And how long is the Fed going to stay at peak? And Matt, I just wonder, is the date on a calendar where you think that difference, that spread between this market and this Federal Reserve starts to get reconciled, resolved in one way or the other? Yeah, I think there's, there's two elements to this. There's the terminal rate pricing, the gap that's there, and, and can that possibly close? And then there's the rate cut part to it. Um, I do think if we get you know, stronger inflation prints over the next few months, which is an expectation. As I mentioned, I think it's the feds as well, that you will likely see the market price greater probability of, of a hike into May. And so that will help to, I think, narrow the gap between the Fed and, and the market on terminal rate pricing. There's the other side of this, which is then the rate cut part. And I think that'll just take, you know, evidence on are we getting a recession or not? Are we seeing inflation come down in a way in which the unemployment rate is not moving higher? Um, but really, I think, you know, wrote a piece last week, under most of the conditions that we expect, that the consensus expects, or even the Fed expects, they likely should begin to cut rates this year. And that's because they are coming from such a restrictive stance for monetary policy uh, that, th that even as inflation comes down, they can keep real rates positive while still cutting the nominal Fed funds rate. And so I do see a high probability of them cutting rates by the end of the year. We have a 50 basis point cut in December as our baseline expectation. So Matt, how high is the hurdle for that? Can you just put some more numbers on that particular call? Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you do not see progress in the labor market loosening, and if you were to get an inflation forecast that is close to the Fed's, so by that I mean, you know, core PC at the end of this year at 3.5%, the unemployment rate at or below 4%, in that world, the Fed would most likely not be cutting rates. But we think inflation is going to fall a bit faster than the Fed. We think that the labor market is going to loosen a lot more aggressively um, than, you know, where it is today. And I think if you're anywhere, you know, call it four and a half to five percent on, on the unemployment rate and that inflation core PC has fallen into the three percent range, you're likely to begin to at least see a modest adjustment in monetary policy lower by the end of the year. When does the uh, loosening in financial conditions that we see today with the 2.6 percent gain on the Nasdaq, when does that loosening start to push us further away from the Fed's goal, per further away from a soft landing? Yeah, I think I would certainly agree with Chair Powell today that you don't want to overemphasize uh, any short-term movements. You especially don't want to overemphasize movements around a key event risk, as, you, as what we've had with, with today's FOMC. So we'll have to see what, what happens with the market over the next few days. We have key data points, key earnings reports. 
Um, but you have seen these high frequency estimates of FCIs clearly easing. Uh, and if that's occurring in a world where we have some acceleration in inflation data over the coming months, uh, then I think you know the Fed would have likely have to push back on that. It could very well come simply by pricing in what the Fed already expects for the terminal rate above five percent. Do you think that the Fed did a good job today? You know, I, I think Chair Powell was, was quite honest. I think they want to be backing away from forward guidance at this point in time. There is a lot of uncertainty. You know, there's questions about risk management. We are coming to a world where there's much more two-sided risk because we're seeing recession risks uh, at the same time where inflation is moderating. It's a difficult one always, I think, to produce a neutral outcome for the market. Uh, the market will kind of anticipate and see and latch on to what it wants to latch on to. I guess I would counter with there were a few hawkish points in, in his um, in the press conference. He noted a couple more rate hikes, which I would kind of read as reaffirming the, the May FOMC or sorry, the, the December FOMC uh, meeting. He said that they need substantially more evidence on the inflation front. All that in my read actually suggests that the baseline remains that they hike through May. You know, putting aside what the market has latched on to um, from, from these other data points. Hey, Matt, wonderful to catch up with you, sir. As always, Matt Lazzelli there of Deutsche Bank, following the latest move from the Federal Reserve. I want to pick up on that phrase. It's an important one, Tom. More two-sided risk. The risks are much more two-sided than they were yeah. just several months ago. And I think that maybe if you sense some hesitation in that news conference, it's right. a reflection of that. That's really, really a good point. And what's important here is the two-sided risk is not symmetrical. The history of central banking going not back to biblical, but easily back to the 19th century is it's always in every case asymmetric. And they're battling that reality of asymmetry within the uncertainty that he mentioned there. It's an uncertainty that all of us are living day to day. Probably good fortune, fortunate that they don't have to put any projections today, any forecasts, because I think it's tremendously difficult to forecast this economy one year out, given what's happening with China. And China wasn't a big feature of that news conference. And I imagine in a couple of months time, I think just sitting here guessing, I can imagine a news conference that's got way, way more questions about China than it does right now. He flicked at it, though. When he started talking about whether his uh, statement of economic projections was changing, he talked about how international affairs were affecting some of the potential uh, projections. So flicking at this idea that perhaps the uh, reopening of China could uh, help the situation. Pair that, though, with the fact that now we're pricing it, evidently the Fed swaps pricing in 50 basis points of rate cuts by year end. I mean, that's both a gloomy picture and an optimistic picture. I can't figure out which. My head's kind of just in a knot. I know that beating up on a Fed is a sport and a lot of people enjoy playing that no. sport. But if you were to sit here and say, is that the outcome the Fed chair wanted from this particular meeting, Tom? I think it's fair to say it probably isn't. Yes, I agree. It was, in a way, it was almost like he was in the metaverse. I, I mean, you know, we, have a, we don't have the metaverse within monetary policy, but I'm looking at a market reaction that screams metaverse. Well, here's the thing. And to be fair to Jay Powell, he's trying to speak the truth. And the truth is nuanced to a market that doesn't want nuance and doesn't want that, that wants a hard statement. This is what we're going to do. This is where we lean. And he's saying, you know, OK, we've got this, we've got that. And that nuance isn't playing well in a market that is looking for something definitive. I just want him to reflect the consensus on the committee. And when he's asked straight questions like, did you discuss a pause? Just answer the question. Did you discuss a pause? And what are you really worried about if you say I discussed the pause? The Nasdaq going up 4%. So what? You've told us you're not really bothered about financial conditions. Why does that matter? They're the kind of weird, hesitant moments that I think the market latches onto and investors just sit here and say, OK, let's buy. Let's go. They're done here. They're hesitating. Let's move on. And when we talk about moving on, we know what we're moving on to, right? We're moving on to this big conversation about 
the economic data, the incoming information. And at this point, I don't think anything else matters, right? And which economic data, they are talking about jobs, but they're also talking about, Tom, as you mentioned, disinflation. And that says a lot. The fact that they're as, as focused and emphasizing yeah. that as much as the jobs and the fully employed Americans. It's disinflation within the metaverse. Speaking of meta. <laughs> get some earnings a little bit later. Yeah. TK, that does it for us. Absolutely historic. I'll see you tomorrow I, morning. I'm just stunned. Just, <laughs> I think we're here again hours. in a few hours. Yeah, exactly. It's like 12 hours away. Exactly. I'm to sleeping it. under the desk. I was just going to say, my bed is rolled what out. What a crazy, crazy time. What a crazy time. We'll pick up the pieces tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that coverage with you. From New York City, for our audience worldwide, this was The Fed Decides. This is Bloomberg. Good afternoon. Subscribe to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Listen live every weekday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, TuneIn, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can watch us live on Bloomberg Television and always on the Bloomberg Terminal. Thanks for listening. I'm Lisa Abramowitz, and this is Bloomberg. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.